sec. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Splash Play. Spags, you're getting ready to head across the nation. Is this true? That is true. In fact, thank you for asking me like I'm on the stand. But yes, I will be moving tomorrow. This will be my last piece of content I'm doing in Los Angeles before I hit the road, move out to Philly. But we got a lot to talk about. We got the week nine snap takes lots to hit on the battle of Josh Allen's. We got to welcome some people to the family today, as we always do. Monday night football previews, waiver wires for week 10. We are doing it all as Sunday night football is on live. So Pete, hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend and mine, Peter Overzet. Pete, we talked about it a little bit before the show, but how'd your week go? Uh, pretty shitty. Uh, pretty <laughs> shitty. It was actually one of those where season-long stuff went pretty well. I have so much George Kittle in our FFPC mm. league, so having him finally have a 100-yard game and a touchdown uh, was very welcomed. But it was one of those days where you started to go check your season-long teams. You start going, how much James Conner do I have in best ball? One of those kind of days. Yeah, James Conner did look really good today after Chase Edmonds, a guy that I only played a handful of lineups because I'm a cripplingly hungover for my girlfriend's baby shower slash goodbye party yesterday and uh, just didn't really have the time, the headspace to wake up, even with the extra hour of sleep. I didn't get enough lineups in and the lineups I did get for the afternoon all had Chase Edmonds looking great for one snap or whatever it was before he went out and James Conner has the data to break, to break, uh, break them all. But Pete, let's do the plugs first. We got to do the Football Outsiders plug. Of course, DVOA is a thing that we'll hear reference a lot sometimes even go out and draft kings alert where they mention a, a matchup that's going on in dvoa as a reference to it but that all comes courtesy of football outsiders so go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe patches right now is one dollar a week on there so go check it out again dvoa is the main thing but there's a lot of great data that'll help you make better lineup decisions as looks like uh, stafford just got picked there either way though uh great stuff going on to football outsiders so go check them out footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and of course make sure to follow at splash play pod we're following everybody back unless you're a private account because then i feel like i'm looking in your window or something creepy like that so that's the only time we're not following you back but go check out everything we're doing at splash play pod more to come i'm sure on there in the coming weeks uh, pete week nine and i don't know if you saw this but there are two guys named josh allen playing football today and they did interact on a series of plays and uh your tweet about it with your son your unborn son yet tom brady will be coming and getting and sacking the other tom brady when he's 65 but this was a an annoying trope of the day but you have to say if you are going to go for the angle of two josh allens the guy getting a pick getting a also a for, forced fumble or recovered fumble and getting a sack that is the trifecta that made all the media people oh so happy i normally i i, I would say in the past I don't know, like year, I normally check myself on just like the super, super cynical tweets where it's like, if everyone's having fun with something like who am I to, you know, shit on their parade. But this one felt truly mind numbingly stupid that we like, it, it's fine to mention it. Like it is, it is, you know, interesting, but like to make it the vocal point of the entire day, I was like, am I losing my mind? Or are we all a bunch of children sitting around going, same name, same name. <laughs> well, it's like that Darren, you've made fun of the Darren Ravel numerology. And that was what it was to me, except it was like, wow, they have the same name. Like what a truly amazing thing. And it's not like, it's even like a crazy name. It's not no. like there's two old ladies of cases. And yeah. That both... would have been fucking mind blowing. Two 
Kadarius Tonys or something. It's like, oh, Joe Smith is out there having, <laughs> going against Joe Smith. But I mean, look, it's a fun trope. I guess it made it fun today. It's just as I was doing the prep for the show, like we do all of our snap takes, there were so many things going on in the league this week. Like it was actually a really interesting week in terms of games, in terms of decision making, in terms of outcomes. And instead it was just like, Josh Allen got Josh Allen dirted. <laughs> that was all and I and I love Scott Hansen. I think he does a great job on red zone. His energy is infectious. He seems truly like a an unphony, you know, not, you know, he he's truly believes and loves football so much. But man, did he love this Josh Allen story? It was like a broadcaster's dream of just I need something, something other than the play by play to get me going. And boy, did that get people going today. Yeah. If you were a broadcaster in America doing football and you don't want to learn anything about analytics, great day for you. Just talk about the <laughs> Two guys with the same name going against each other. But the more important part of that, Pete, though, is Jacksonville winning that game nine to six. Uh, one of my ride or die picks that hit this week as I took the Jags money line. And I think in part because you vetoed my first pick and then that's what I fell back to. But ugly, ugly game in Buffalo now looking like world beaters to start the year. And they still are, you know, a top DVOA team, according to Football Outsiders as well. So they're doing something right. But the record not showing it and a loss of Jacksonville about as bad as you can get. Yeah, I'm actually mad that I because I think you were trying to do like the top five scores or whatever. Yeah, I was doing and shenanigans, I, yeah. and I assume that I assume that didn't hit, right? I mean, it wasn't like the I don't bills. think so. No. Yeah, and so I let you backwalk uh, your way into a, a better bet. How did what was what's the final score right now? Oh, actually, I didn't look at it because I don't know. I don't. I don't want to assume that Willis is going to be doing it on Sunday night. Yeah. because we have to move the schedule around though. He usually does. Oh, so let's here see. we go. He he's in the chat. Only oh, that was the oh. only. <laughs> across all of them <laughs> well you know what it makes sense in that I, I was telling spags i was updating my sheet for my dfs tournaments which i'll talk about tomorrow but it was the lowest scoring cash line across like the spy tournaments that i play since week one which is always a bit of a lower scoring week just because we have so little information so mm. it was a super low scoring week every like all everything went under so it makes sense that with our super aggressive, you know, X player outscoring all these, that they would all fail. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, too. Even if you had given me 100 all-purpose yards, he would have had 95 yards and a TD, <laughs> so he wouldn't have gotten there either. So tough week for the ride-or-die picks, but I am grateful to have the only correct one here. Hit that like button for my my one correct pick that we got out of all those ones on a great show with Sam Hoppin. If you guys missed that as well, we talked about some fun stuff with data as well. Um, other news, Sam Darnold throws three interceptions. Christian McCaffrey returns to 14 carries, 52 yards, four catches for 54 yards on five targets. So pretty close to his normal workload. Chuba Hubbard still getting three carries and two targets there so a shift downward but is in the mix but Pete the Panthers lose 24 to 6 in this one and Darnold it seemed like some of the press uh the post-game press conference quotes were indicating that perhaps could be PJ Walker time for real now but it's just crazy the swing with Darnold where I think it was Eric Vine before I saw tweet it but talking about you know a lot of people in best balls or doing that kind of content as I know you were were like oh man I missed out on Darnold and he's so great and now here he is like probably even worse than he was when he was the Jets quarterback yeah I'm I don't I don't know if I'm so I was like defending Jordan Love on the tilt space and I feel like I'm going to start defending uh, Sam Darnold. He looks truly atrocious, but the Patriots have been a solid defense. You know, they were, they were the most expensive defense on DraftKings for for a reason. This was a good spot for them. It is unfortunate. Um, you would hope that he would be unlocking this offense. He's definitely a disappointment relative to what our expectations and hopes were. I also think like he's still going to have some big games in good matchups. So I'm like from a fantasy perspective, I'm not 
super worried about it. But yeah, from like a franchise standpoint, it's like, why, why didn't we draft Justin Fields or try to prioritize, you know, something in the draft as opposed to, you know, patching things up in the short term with Sam Darnold. If anything does seem like more of the Sean Watson stuff could pick up in the offseason in terms of a trade option there. But uh, I think it wouldn't surprise me to see if PJ Walker gets a start here. Maybe it is just one start. Maybe that's the thing that gets Sam Darnold back on track or maybe Walker gets hurt. He is a smaller guy who does run around a lot. So that's something too, where maybe Darnold comes back in under some degree of cover and has a, a better day, but it's looking bad for him. And the quotes from Matt rule seem like maybe uh, won't be that much longer for Darnold doing what he's been doing. The same game though, Pete Ramondre Stevenson looked solid 10 rushes, uh, 62 yards there, two catches is 44 yards and I know he's one of those guys who were beating the drum of and it seems like it's tough for him to get to like a, a James Conner level uh going to oh nice defensive touchdown for the Titans here um I, it seems like it's gonna be tough for him to get there with Damian Harris still in tow but you gotta like what you saw of him today especially given I, I think you had a pretty good investment in him in best ball as well right uh, sorry. And who I got distracted. Oh, Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. Pat, it's funny because Karain was like way onto him as a prospect and more as a late round flyer. And then lately I've still been into him because the Patriots have been kind of jerking him around, you know, making him an inactive, but when he is active, they use him and he looks good every time he's on the field. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm still interested in Ramondre. I think he's a guy that I've been stashing still in season long leagues. And I know it's frustrating, but to me, it's not like, I'm not using him even these weeks when he is active. Just the hope is that something shakes out, whether it's through an injury or he just plays so good that they can't keep him off the field. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, he looks good every time he touches the ball to me. Yeah, on a pure touch level, he's looking great per play. The numbers, I'm sure, will look pretty good as well once all those are out there and, and we're you know reviewing those later in the week. But I think Ramondre Stevenson, I you got I think you're right there. You got to see an injury, I think, to Damian Harris, which sucks. We can't root for that, obviously. But um, if either way, still a GPP play, a guy that can get that work and can have like really explosive plays, it seems. Baker Mayfield was one of my other ride or die picks, and he was honestly too good early on. And also the Bengals were so bad that he didn't get to his uh, 300 yards and three touchdowns that I was hoping for. But perfect QB rating in the first half in that one ends up. 14 for 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns. Nick Chubb also goes off on the ground, 14 carries for 137 yards, two touchdowns. Absolute monster. Donovan Peoples-Jones goes two for 86 and a TD on three targets. And Pete, this is a massive win for them over the Bengals. 41-16, the Bengals have been running hot to start the year, but uh, it does seem like this is a real message game from Baker, and I think he had positive things to say about Odell in the in the press conference afterwards. But if you're a Browns fan, I feel like you got to feel really good about the fuck you energy going for the Browns. I, that's a, the perfect way to describe it. And it's like a fuck you to uh, Odell Beckham. You know, <laughs> Baker just seems so much more loose and comfortable, you know, slinging it around there. I mean, they still like on paper. I mean, when your top three wide receivers are Jar Jarvis Landry, DPJ and Anthony Schwartz, I mean, you don't have a ton to work with there, but we've seen Baker when he gets in the groove and stuff. Um, he's, he's still a solid, you know, above average quarterback. And it really helps when you have, Nick Chubb, who just rips off just absolutely huge plays and looks so good as a rusher. And yet he's still like, can you imagine if Nick Chubb ever got the Derrick Henry kind of workload, oh my God. like the 25 to 30 touches? I mean, he would be, I think he would be even a better version of Derrick Henry. And, and maybe they're, they're playing it smart where they don't want him to break down and all of this stuff. But every time you see him and you're like, why isn't he, I mean, 14 carries still feels criminal to me here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, Kareem Hunt coming back is going to kind of hurt his upside or maybe not the upside, but hurt the the touch upside for sure on a game to game basis. But I agree. I think your main point about Baker Mayfield, like him being able to be target agnostic and not have to feed the ball to a guy who clearly was unhappy when he wasn't getting the fed the ball enough. And then was still getting, you know, we talked about a lot top in the air yards models week in week out. And he still just didn't look that good. Like he still wasn't getting the results. And now Baker can kind of choose and actually make the right reads and make throws to guys like David and Joku guys like Schwartz and we'll see how it goes. But I'd be very optimistic if I were a Cleveland fan right now. Uh, Denver, another team maybe with some optimism. Melvin Gordon, 21 carries for 80 yards and a TD, along with two catches for 15 yards. Great volume there. Javante Williams, though, one monster run overall. I think the 30-yard run that he had where he carried four guys and broke through, broke two more guys along the way. But they steamrolled Dallas, Pete, 30 to 16. The only upside here is Malik Turner in garbage time for Dallas. But uh, you saw the Denver team really kind of circle around the run today in a way that's probably good for you and your Javante Williams shares, but the ageless Melvin Gordon, not that bad either. No, I know. I feel like we should do a thing where you read Melvin Gordon stat lines. And then I come in and be like, <laughs> well, actually Javante Williams has 17 carries for a hundred yards. No, I mean, th- what's impressive is just that both of these guys are running really well and that they were able to go into Dallas and control the game. And yeah, I think, the future too looks bright with Javante. He he really does look like an exciting running back. But even I will fully admit, like I on that whole conversation, Melvin Gordon is not dust. You know, do I think those touches could still be better utilized with Javante Williams? Yeah, probably. But Melvin Gordon is is playing really well, and he definitely uh, deserves to be getting touches in this offense. Yeah, if it's if it's working for them, you know, I think that's great. I I agree. Probably the split should start to go Javante Williams way a little bit more, but maybe hits that rookie wall and it's still good to have Melvin Gordon. They're able to take on that many carries, but um, still large workloads for both guys. Definitely good tournament plays. And and if Denver has figured something out here, they really look interesting today going into Dallas and tough environment, but their fans were there and actually pretty good amount as well. The Denver fans travel well, uh, but still big win for them. Uh, James Conner, we talked about a little bit, ends up with 21 carries for 96 yards, two touchdowns as five catches for 77 yards and a TD as well with Chase Edmonds exiting early and uh, interesting game here, Pete, where we did get George Kittle back. San Francisco kind of held serve overall uh, with Kittle and Brandon Egg both getting eight targets, nine targets for Debo Samuel, but James Conner is the big story. And I, I think last year it was so tilting because I was playing him week after week for the Steelers. and He wasn't getting the touchdowns. And now he is running unbelievably hot with touchdowns. And if Edmonds misses time, James Conner could be a league winner. Yeah, that that's what I was talking through on the tilt space earlier where, you know, there's always some um, kind of guesswork as far as, you know, when they clearly trust James Conner. So then there's an injury to Edmonds and they just give James Conner all the work. You do wonder if they had a week of prep without you know, Chase Edmonds, would they work in someone like, you know, Benjamin who came in and played 17 snaps and and ran routes on, on six pass attempts there. So that is kind of interesting to me, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, James Connor, he, he's always had the pass catching skill set. He had it in Pittsburgh, but kind of early on here, they've just pigeonholed him in the short yardage goal line role. And Chase Edmonds is the pass catching back. So if you give him all of that work in this offense, I do really think he's like a top five back going forward. If, if Chase Edmonds is out. Yeah, if Chase Edmonds is out, we'll see how that goes. But hard to argue with 26 touches and the results that he got as well. The touchdowns have been there all year, and it's going to hard be hard for them to regress if it is still this spot, especially if we do have more missed time for DeAndre Hopkins, more missed time for Kyler Murray. It seems like James Conner could benefit. Uh, the Falcons, Cordero Patterson, the big story once again, six catches, 126 yards, just nine carries for 10 yards, but still 15 touches. Falcons barely beat the Saints 27-25. And the other side, Trevor Simeon throwing 41 times for 249 yards and two touchdowns. Not 
not the best averages, but the Patterson thing at this point, Pete, I know it kind of early on seemed like a bit of an outlier effort, but he's clearly better than Mike Davis. I will take that, that L now I will officially throw in my, the towel on that one. But I think an interesting win for the Falcons, a team that looked pretty hapless to start. And now they're kind of getting close enough to a 500 record that it could be a problem. Yeah. It's what's also weird about Patterson too, and why I'd ever play him in DFS, partly because he's always kind of in that purgatory range with his price tag, but also there, the way he produces, like there's no consistency. It's not like, Oh, it's all pass work or it's all carries or it's, you know, high value touches or big plays. It's like every week he finds a different way to do it. Uh, and at some point you just have to be acknowledging that. I mean, the team is putting him in position to succeed and coming up with creative ways to get him the ball. And then he always seems to have at least one big play, uh, each game. So yeah, he, he looks great. And it's more too. you're just like, what could have been? I mean, he was, uh, I mean, the Vikings took him in the first round and basically just used him as like a glorified kick returner. Um, and never even really got him going in, in a Percy Harvin type way. So it's, I'm looking at him and being like, how did it take this long for someone to unlock Cordero Patterson when he's clearly a very talented playmaker. And I have to say, I know we've kind of beaten the drum or I've beaten the drum a little bit in the past, but I do think there's more of a crossover with fantasy performance and these guys finally getting the workload. And you got to give credit to Ian Hart. It's for beating the drum for Cordero Patterson for literal years. And he finally gets the workload and now he's actually getting the results in a meaningful way. And I don't know if that means that every good fantasy player, you see these kind of you know small sample size things, that's not going to correlate to winning. But I feel like in this one case, Pete, like you can say like fantasy performer and, and sort of small sample sample size stuff actually ends up being something that ends up winning games. Yeah. I mean, I, I do true. I mean, we've had this conversation or just collectively fantasy people have a lot too of just when you have skin in the game and you're watching this stuff so closely. Uh, I do really think there's some situations where fantasy players can actually spot this talent, you know, better than uh, some GMs can or, or coaches with how stubborn they are with some of their usage. Yeah, the pigeonholing of guys, I think you mentioned, is definitely something that can happen. I guess the question I have for you, too, Trevor Simeon, did you think he did enough today to keep the starting job? It felt like he didn't kill them, but certainly didn't win them the game. And I feel like Taysom Hill just being out there, it feels like it's more explosive, like there's more things they could do. And we talked about some of the numbers for him on what I think numbers don't lie last week. But uh, Taysom Hill, you know, like very accurate relative to what people expect of him, was one of the most accurate QBs in the league last year. And I don't know that Trevor Simeon adds enough for me for him to, you know, to be the starter, but it does kind of feel like that's the way Sean Payton's going. Yeah, real quick. I don't know if, if I should be upset or uh, relish <laughs> this take, which I mean, it really does feel like that. Like Visca will have some Patterson like resurgence in four years when he gets out of uh, Jacksonville or whatever. So, yes, don't worry, Nick. I will, uh, you know, unlike some of these fair weather guys who start touting Jamal Swagnew. Uh, I will, I will stay on Visca. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I honestly didn't see much of that game. Red zone didn't show much yes. of that game. I definitely for fantasy, I'm hoping that Taysom Hill gets in there sooner than later, but just, I mean, we do have the data point that Jameis Winston beat out Taysom Hill for this job heading into the season. And as much as we joke about how much Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill, he clearly had the vision for how he wanted to run this offense this year through a more traditional pocket passer. And then again, Taysom Hill was good to go this week. Like we were all saying, Oh, you know, maybe he's coming back from the concussion. I mean, he practiced in full, like it, he was good. And, and uh, Sean Payton made this decision again. So as much as I want it, I kind of think we're headed toward more, Trevor Simeon starts until he looks truly awful, almost kind of like what's going on with Garoppolo in San Francisco, where it's going to take him truly imploding for them to pull the plug on him.
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And the last one here that I want to talk about, and this is kind of interesting because I've been thinking about it a little bit more uh, for the day job that I do with edjsports.com. This week, we're putting out our first coach rankings for the year where it's a different halfway point of the season, but basically the coach rankings look at who's going forward on fourth down and also you know, kind of optimizing their overall results relative to the, the talent involved uh, based on how we're grading those guys out. But the fourth down goes are a big thing, and I thought this Chargers uh, game in particular against the Eagles was really interesting. It was a 27-24 win, and if you weren't watching it down the stretch, we were actually uh, going in and out for the last time out here waiting in an incredibly long line to get our food. And I was watching on the phone because the girlfriend is an Eagles fan. And um, it was interesting because there was a minute 45 left. It looked like the Chargers were going to go for it. Then they called the timeout. You know, they did the fake thing where they were like trying to draw them off sides. They actually did end up going for it. Didn't kick the ball away, which is what you're not supposed to do. And I know Pete, I don't know if you care that much about the stuff or you pay that most, uh, that much of a close attention to the win probability things. But like the whole thing is don't give the team the ball back with like a minute 45 left. Jalen Hurts was okay today, but you know, he can do enough damage to get that ball downfield they didn't take the field goal they went for it they ended up getting a nice run from Eckler and they closed it off with the field goal with five seconds left and that was like picture perfect coaching by Brandon Staley based on what a lot of these advanced analytics things including EDJ sports overall thinks but like I just thought that was really interesting because Staley's talked about his analytics team and how like he does really rely on it and I think if anything the Chargers might be a really pure example of what happens when you know these data guys you really get a shot to coach and coach according to what the data says is gonna be the best move yeah, I mean, the Chargers, I think now people think of them alongside some of the most, you know, analytic friendly front offices. The Ravens have been one and, and the Eagles too. you know, have traditionally been very aggressive with their fourth down, uh, you know, play calling and not punting as much as, you know, the rest of the league does. So, yeah, it's uh, we all love uh, watching these teams get aggressive and it's fun for fantasy too. you know, the more aggressive uh, these guys are, the more offensive plays we get you know, less, less puns, we get shorter fields, you know, like it's just like a win-win uh, either way when these teams are aggressive. So hopefully we continue to see more of it. Yeah. And Justin Herbert, great today, 356 yards passing and maybe a Devonta Smith breakout day had five catches for 116 yards on six targets. And I actually did the math on this one, ran some numbers, Pete, 72% of Jalen Hurts' passing yards today went to Devonta Smith. And I feel like he's kind of been a disappointment this year. I know you were beating the drum from a little bit recently, but are you feeling like this is a real step forward for Devonta or would you still not trust him weeks a week? No, I mean, so I, from a DFS perspective, I was a little uh, upset because I had played him a couple weeks when he got pretty popular. Um, basically, the same thing we were talking about on Tilt Space happened with Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown today, where Lamar Jackson was going to be very popular cash game quarterback. Marquise Brown, no one had projected him for much ownership, but the ownership in tournaments kind of followed the cash game construction. So a few weeks ago, when Jalen Hurts was going to be super popular, I played Devonta Smith thinking he was going to be low owned, but then everyone, because they liked Hurts, started playing him. So I played him, you know, he was like 25% a couple of weeks. And I was like, man, this is a bad play at this percentage. And then this week to actually get him in a couple lineups um, at, you know, sub 5%, I'm like, that's when I get excited to play Devonta Smith because he's, there's still enough weird stuff with this offense where his kind of target share isn't just completely locked in where you know he's getting that. So once it gets to that point, you just don't want to play him when he's super popular. So yeah, I, I'm still in on Devonta Smith. I'm guessing his price is going to rise similar to like what we've seen happen with Waddle where he starts to get into the upper fives and low sixes and then it'll be a more interesting decision. Yeah, I agree. I think it's tough to trust him, but if you can get him at low ownership because that price goes up, maybe he's still a, a compelling DFS play. And I covered all the stuff I thought was the most important this week, Pete, but there's some more out there. So I don't know if you had any other snap takes you wanted to throw into the fire. 
Yeah, no, I mean, just there are going to be some of those kind of injury situations. I think we're going to have to track this week. You know, we mentioned the Chase Edmonds, Zach Moss left with a concussion. Uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson were both banged up. And then Albert Okui-Bunum left that game with a knee injury. Although I think Noah Fant will be back next week after his COVID stuff. So some injuries to, uh, to keep an eye on here and, uh, it might impact our, uh, waiver segment a little bit that we fly extremely blind on. Oh, do you want to mention too? We did this show last week on Sunday and then we had quite possibly like the biggest NFL news stretch, uh, that we would have captured on our Monday show, but completely missed. Yeah, that's tough. I'm hoping it doesn't happen this week. I feel like the odds of that happening two weeks in a row seem unlikely. We'll do the best we can here, but if not, we'll put more energy towards welcome to the family, I think. But got to give a shout out to the chat as well. Get some apparently won $3,700 this week. So good for you. Uh, I feel like it shows your tournament brain if you're doing well in a week where the cash game uh, lineups are dropping down below. Um, and shout out to everybody else in the chat for hanging out on Sunday. Of course, there is a game going on, but uh, but Pete, I feel like you got to feel good to see a winner amongst your viewership here because that's what the deposit kingdom is all about. Yeah, you know, you you want to be careful and you don't want to say anything like anyone who was able to win on this week must have been building some donkey ass lineups. <laughs> now, uh, congratulations uh, to get some. And I, I did see lots of, of good lineups. I mean, this week it was just there were there were only a couple things that hit massively. I mean, I was looking at the winning Millie Maker lineup. I should just pull this up because. It's a pretty wild lineup, and it is, of course, one of our viewers, uh, R. Bradley23. So, congratulations there. But he has the Waddle Gesicki with no Texans. He has a, a single stack here with Herbert and Keenan. I'm kind of shocked he doesn't have Devonta Smith, right? Like Devonta Smith in the Herbert Keenan lineup instead of Waddle makes so much sense. He doesn't have that. He has a 4.4 from Zach Moss. And all it took was hitting on the Nick Chubb and James Conner. I mean, everything else about this lineup is like pretty pedestrian. Um, and it just goes to show how weak uh, this week was as far as scoring. But I mean, James Conner is, I mean, that's the play right there. Yeah, the Zach Moss thing, having a snowflake guy with under five fantasy points and you're in that winning lineup is borderline insane, I would say. Yeah, it's it's wild because, nor- you know, normally in these lineups, you'll see, okay, you don't have to get every single thing right. But he he really, I mean, even the nine from Gesicki, uh, I, I don't know. You normally see like three wide receivers with 30-plus points in these winning Millie Maker lineups. So just a, a crazy construction there. Uh, do we want to give a shout out to our guy, Brian, who well, actually sent us a tweet before the show and where we're, we're Sunday shows are two packed or Monday shows as well, two packed, but our guy, Brian, who was on the show, of course, from Island mortgage in Florida, if you are looking for a Florida based mortgage, <laughs> oh, they're the one that we fully support, uh, but he beat us in low ball Pete. And I actually thought that I narrowly lost you. I didn't realize that you had a guy that was out. So Pete is the low ball loser for the week, but our guy, Brian did win, did make the worst lineup. So you have to give him the shout out. Yeah, I'm trying to get it pulled up here so we can look at his team. And I think you jinxed it, right? Because you said heading in, we hadn't had one of our guests win lowball yet, right? Uh, no, we had not. So I guess I did jinx it. Yeah, we were due. And and honestly, I, I said it when Brian was on the show. He came in with a great attitude, seemed like a borderline tout with his approach. And not he showed us up in the one competition we had. He beat us in lowball. Yeah, this uh, this is an incredibly good low ball lineup. So we had the the high price Chargers there. He does have uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, there was a great pick. Only had five points. Chuba, who we knew was going to get a little bit of work, uh, that was the play we both kind of praised him for immediately, uh, knowing he would just get enough with McCaffrey back to not bite him. He did pay up for Kelsey, who was fine. 
um, and did go the double tight end, which I also think was sharp. Um, Denver defense, even who played well, uh, mm-hmm. didn't put up a big total. And then like the Robbie play is really good. The Jacoby play is really good. Uh, so yes, very, very well done here by Brian Schultz. Yeah, I feel like I had a pretty good lineup too for our low ball where I got Taysom Hill at QB. That that was honestly completely inadvertent. Uh, but I had Kamara. You know, Kamara was a little bit too good. Cook was a little bit too good. I think I flew too close to the sun with like going with star players. But these guys still were not tournament winners. That was really the thesis of the play, Pete, as I know you are the king of that expression. Um, and I feel like my low ball thesising was pretty strong. Yeah, I would say you didn't want both of Kamara and Cook. No, that was a little bit. Uh, but, <laughs> but but otherwise, yes, uh, you did a good job uh, nailing the unders on these. And then I I actually lost because I had to take a twenty point burger uh, mm-hmm. from Hopkins. I I was pretty confident he was going to gut it out and be limited. Um, really, I did I did pretty good. Other than Matt Ryan, like Matt Ryan just flamed me. Like everything else is is really nice uh, down here. So if I had the you know uh, what the the trevor lawrence you know game from fear the spear uh mm. here uh, i'm probably in pretty good shape yeah matt ryan that's the thing you, you got to remember with low ball is don't have uh, anybody who's throwing the ball to cordero patterson in your <laughs> low ball team just in case just to be safe but there we go that's the low ball results for the week and now it's time pete where we gotta embrace the italian heritage one more time actually gotta put the tie on first because i can't get that over <laughs> the hat but we got to welcome some people to the family because italian culture is back uh the sopranos saw david chase cutting some interviews apparently hbo max wants a a reboot or a, a new soprano series and he's like i'm not gonna do that we'll see david chase when they back the money trucks up but are you ready to do your italian character this week pete and welcome some friends of ours into the family uh yeah and i'm i'm writing down i'm gonna i'm gonna get us a intro video made for this segment because i mean we need some kind of thing with some italian music some you know meatballs flying across the screen uh so yes i, I just said i mean this segment you know is just so iconic now that we need to give it the the proper introduction well it's time we gotta welcome some people to the family and i'll start in character because usually pete's got to get ramped up you see him moving his shoulders about really embracing the improv characters whereas for me i just have to go to a personal place deep inside that i try not to talk like on any given day also my girlfriend one of her friends out in the living room gets to hear this loud very loud pete i do a lot of yelling on this segment oh congratulations sounds like you guys are really milking it this week having the parties what did you guys have did you got the the gabagool did you have the chicken parmesan what are we having for this fucking birthday actually i Ironically, was a pizza theme because pizza has been one of my pregnant girlfriend's favorite meals. So they had a pizza dip. There was some little Totino's pizza rolls. Uh, lots made with love. There was also a buffalo chicken dip. That's neither here nor there. But it was, in fact, a pizza theme. Oh, I love it. Nothing says quintessentially Italian like a Totino's pizza roll. You guys just do it to the max over there in Los Angeles. It's uh, the Pasta House Company would be ashamed, of course, the other presenting sponsor of the show, the pasta behind my head and the thumbnail that Pete made, of course, would in fact be Pasta House Pasta. That's what we'd say. But the first guy I'm going to throw in this week, Pete, I talked about him a little bit, Brandon Staley, who I'm going to call in the family the Lightning King. He's a master strategist. He doesn't kick that field goal with 145 left in the game. He knows Jalen Hurts on the other side. He and the gang are going to go and get him if he keeps that ball, but he doesn't do it, Pete. He holds on to it, and that's the kind of strategy you haven't seen. A young John God is what I would call Mr. Brandon Staley, the Lightning King. Goodness, dude. You want to you want to welcome these coaches to the table? These coaches, they're they're slimy. They're like little snakes in the grass bags. I don't trust some of these little fuckers, these spreadsheet virgins. I mean, come on, are you sure you can welcome them into our home? Are they trustworthy? 
I mean, I, I don't think they're wearing a wire. What we do is where we welcome a coach and we tap them and we make sure that there's no sort of wiring that would be informing anything. But otherwise, besides that, they seem like nice fellas of Brandon Staley. I don't know. I just got, I got a feel for him, Pete. But tell me who you want to welcome in instead. Yeah, yeah. I want to welcome in. I want to welcome in a guy, okay? This guy, I love him. He's, uh, he's, it's time, you know, we talk about these offensive players on this show and stuff, yada, yada, fantasy, fantasy. But I want to welcome Josh Allen to the family. What? Okay? I haven't heard that name at all today. Dude, it is, this is some of the fucking craziest shit, dude, I have ever heard in my life. This guy intercepts, he sacks, he fumbles recoveries and he has the same name as the guy on the other side of the ball so josh allen come here okay no longer are you the other josh allen you're now the josh allen and we're gonna welcome you to the family get in here get in here <laughs> give him a kiss you're gonna kiss him through the helmet like you love to do lick the face mask just a little bit Bob. no no no. i had to get right to these lips so i took that helmet off and i just smacked it right on those juicy defensive lips <laughs> Uh, tangentially related, but uh, I don't know if you watch the show Big Mouth at all, Pete. But they're doing a, a lot of a lot of gay stuff on the show. Where all the teens are having gay sex, and it's, it's a tough time. Interesting watch. Let's just try to get out of this segment without getting canceled, Spags. <laughs> okay, I thought because we're doing it in character, we could talk more openly about these things. But let's talk about James Conner, a man who I'm going to welcome to the family, calling him the Terminator. I knew you were going to fucking do that one. I, I had some good ones. I knew you were going to fucking do that one. I let you do it. Go for it. Because, as you know, sometimes I start with the nickname, work backwards, Terminator Reboot, James Conner. Maybe he's not that good, much like a Terminator Reboot. But my own does he try. Last year killed me time and time again. Didn't get touchdowns at Pittsburgh. Now he's in the, the Arizona, the Red Sea, and he's making, uh, making it into a fine pasta sauce where all you could do is dip in and get more touchdowns. That's the Red Sea I'm looking for. BD overs, and I'm telling you, James Conner's hitting that over every week. My own. Right, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I hear this guy, Chase Edmonds. He Maybe sleeping with the fishes these days. Who knows? Who knows? But James Conner, he's the one that's wetting the beak, okay? He's putting the money in daddy's coffers. So come on down, James Conner. Come on down. I don't down. know what I did here. I kind of rubbed the money near my nose <laughs> as if to wet my beak quite literally, in fact. Well, that's also how you get James Conner right next to you and you give him that nice, juicy kiss and welcome him to the What family. you do is you take the dollar, your lady and the tramp, and you both meet in the middle, give a little kissy kiss. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, this sounds like a subplot to uh, on Big Mouth these days, giving these guys the kissy kiss, doesn't it? But you got somebody else you want to yeah. walk with in the family? Yeah, this, this is going to be a little unorthodox, okay? So just bear with me, I know, in this day and age. But I need to welcome Mr. Jordan Love's moms to the family, okay? I need you to come all the way down here. Keep coming. If you, if you just wait for a second, she is going to make her way down. We're just going to have to wait here. Yeah, just keep coming down here, sweetheart. Come down here. They put. Did you see what they did to her, Spags? They she was her. so far away. It was like she. She's at. It's like she's at the wedding and she's so far back. She's not even at one of the tables. Can't even hear the best man giving a speech. She was up there at the top. She was a mile high, and I'm not just talking like my nephew Tony, okay, who likes to go out back and smoke on the devil's grass. Okay, no, they put her a mile high up there. This was a disgrace. This is a footballer's mother, and to put her up there where she's getting literal nosebleeds out there in the cold, she needed a fucking telescope to watch her poor son 
fucking throw the worst football throws I've ever seen in my life. I mean, this was horrible. And I need to welcome you to the family. I'm not going to kiss you because in this day and age, sexual harassment, etc., etc. But we are going to welcome you to the family, Mrs. Love. Where did your character become Bobby Bottle Service, Pete? I don't know when the turnover happened. I'm all over the place, dude. I'm all over the place. Uh, speaking of all over the place, one guy got to welcome the family. And this, yo, personally, this brings me great joy to welcome Cordaro Patterson, a man that I'm going to call the wooden spoon because he's so versatile he could stir a nice sauce he can also whip a child on the wrist in a time that was a little more violent towards kids not so much nowadays but in general though there are some Italian families that do that and it's not a great thing people that's what wooden spoons are all about Cordero Patterson making a nice man of God every single day getting that end zone model Cordero Patterson the Falcons backfield we all knew it would be thriving and here it is I'm pumping my fist like the Jersey Shore because that's what it makes me feel like with Cordero Patterson being what some said Mike Davis could have been if he got the same workload. Uh, look at, look at, look at, look at, okay? I mean, Cordell Patterson, he's great. You can bring him in here, but it is kind of getting full in here, all right? We are reaching max capacity. It's kind of like a fire hazard. It's kind of first one in, last one out kind of thing. I think you might need to tell Mike Davis to hit the road. If you're bringing Cordell Patterson in here, you got to kick Mike Davis out. He's been eating all my meatballs, okay? Polished off my bottle of Zinfandel. Get this, get this guy out of here. I don't think Zinfandel is a traditional Italian wine, if we're being quite frank. Hey, dude, you know what? We're into some fucking crazy shit around there. Just relax. <laughs> My own. Anybody else? Are we good here? Oh, we're good. Okay, we're good. And scene. And scene. Okay, good. Let's. Woo. <laughs> Tell you what, nothing makes you sweat more than wearing a hat on a hat. Oh. Okay, hold on. I'm going to take my tie off, too. I'm not going to wear it the rest of the show like I usually do. But let's let's see the Week 10 waiver wire, Pete, where we are flying super blind without Sam Wallace's article over at Rotoviz, who is doing a great job every single Monday. But unfortunately, he's doing it on Mondays, so we don't have that to reference, Pete. Uh, but I will say there are some picks that we could make here in snake draft format. Um, and do you want the first pick or do you want me to take the first pick? Um, I'll, I'll let you take the first pick. Okay, I will take a guy that I think is still under the threshold based on what I was seeing earlier today. We now he know he's going to be on the active roster. We probably should pick him up last week. Some people didn't. Adrian Peterson is playing right now, doing enough things from what I could tell. Obviously, we're not paying the most attention to this game besides continually seeing the Titans run back footballs from Matthew Stafford. Um, also, there's Paris Hilton was on the TV for a second. I don't know if you, <laughs> you saw that feature. She was. I think they're doing a Paris Hilton bit at the Rams game. Uh. Anyway, neither here nor there. Welcome to the family, Paris Hilton. Um, I would also say that uh, Adrian Peterson, if he's available in your league, still take that shot. Jeremy McNichols, I think, not getting as much of a workload based on what I've been seeing half-assedly during the show. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to assume, I guess, in I mean, in the high-stakes leagues, he was picked up everywhere. Yeah, you talked about a lot of money being thrown there, but I feel like season-long leagues, probably people don't want to buy in relative to being lazy, I guess. Yeah, um, I'll... So, Another guy who I think is probably on waivers and who looked really good today was Donovan Peoples-Jones. And, you know, we've seen him flash. He flashed in the preseason a bit. He is kind of a downfield threat, so his production will be a little bit more boom-bust. But if there is some kind of rapport here and if he's able to get into more of a rhythm without Odell, because what was happening is he was kind of splitting snaps with Anthony Schwartz. Like they were both playing that downfield role. So if we can get him on the field now uh, for all of these snaps, which is, which is the case Landry DPJ and Anthony Schwartz uh, were on the field for all the three wide receiver sets. Uh, I think that is, is pretty interesting and, and worth a flyer. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Peoples Jones, we talked about the preseason hype around him, didn't quite pay that off, but there's really no pathway to him not doing that. Other said, other than, you know, Jarvis Landry getting a little bit more in Njoku, but um, he's been good enough, Pete, that I'm with you on that. And honestly, might have been a good uh, number one overall pick, too, but you get the turn as well. So take one more guy. Yeah. So he did also uh, get injured, but I was, uh, or, you know, I think it was something with head slash concussion potentially, but I will say Ramondre Stevenson, um, you know, he uh, was right there behind Damian Harris with carries. Uh, Harris had 15 and Stevenson had 10 and Harris got banged up as well too. And kind of like what I was saying earlier, where I think if he gets the crack, you know, just a sliver in the door to push it open, whether Harris is out or whether he gets a couple games where he's he's not inactive. I do think it's pretty exciting there uh, with Ramondre Stevenson. And, I and you know, I'm, it's really hard right now to find guys who could be, you know, week 14 through 17, you know, league winning type plays. And I do think if Ramondre Stevenson had this backfield to himself, even just the early down uh, work, I think he would be uh, he'd be pretty good. No, I agree with you. I mean, we talked about, I, I think he is an injury away from really having the full upside, but, but still that's worth taking a stab on and people, um, it's these long leagues, you know, it, obviously the FFPC leagues that Pete's doing where guys are paying a lot of money to be involved, but those people are, pl- are paying incredibly close attention for your office league, for your high school friends league, whatever the case may be. They'll just be like, Oh, he was inactive too many times. Like he got zeros. I don't want to play him and, you know, pick him up and just hold on to him and hope that does pay off. Or if he's going to be active every week, like he passed up JJ Taylor, it looks like. So I think uh, it's a pretty safe role with some upside. I'm going to take, a, a stack here and my back-to-back and this is one I don't know this is going to pay off I don't know the injury status of the Jets QB is obviously very early but Josh Johnson I think should be picked up right now I think if on the chance that he plays Mike White could still play Zach Wilson's not going to be gone out for that long so I think that's something to keep in mind uh, but Johnson running QB a guy who does have some degree of pedigree has put up good fantasy results in the past uh, playing Buffalo next week which isn't the best either but still I think a spot where there could be upside and you know I, I just see Pete you know a backup QB of course my brand but also an xfl backup qb i mean those it's too many things to ignore here for a pick yeah i i, I should have seen that coming from a mile away <laughs> you should have and honestly you might get welcome to the family too if we go back <laughs> to that segment one more time and i will stack him up with elijah moore a guy who coming into the year pete was touting his face off unfortunately started a little bit slow but i do think he's now past denzel mims does seem like Corey davis could be a guy that just gets held out more down the stretch because why push an older player who you paid some money to into action that you don't need but do you think elijah moore can benefit and if you have josh johnson or mike white out there or just you know zach wilson coming in with a little more humility and some sort of learning from being on the sidelines to see these guys be great i think that's something that could benefit Elijah Moore. So another guy like he and Ramondre Stevenson, I think are kind of the same thing. People that were down on them early in the year and they could end up being really valuable down the stretch. Yeah. Um, I don't mind that one at all. I'm going to do, uh, Eno Benjamin, who uh, I mm. mentioned if, if Edmonds misses time, uh, like I said, I could see this going a couple ways. I could see James Conner just being full blown bell cow and blast off for James Conner. But I do think there are scenarios where, you know, Benjamin has like, you know, the 60, 30, he's the 30 side or sorry, I'm not doing math correctly, you know, 60, 40, 70, 30, but he did, he had 17 snaps and he ran routes on six dropbacks and he had nine carries. So uh, pretty encouraging there that they were kind of using him almost as a one for one replacement to spell him and felt comfortable using him in the past game and as a rusher. And so that that'll be interesting there. And and maybe a shift, whereas James Conner and Chase Edmonds had their specific roles that, Eno now becomes that, that kind of handcuff with some upside. And we're always just trying to backfill 
behind as far as finding the next man up. So I think, you know, Benjamin, he also was a, a really good uh, prospect coming out and everyone was kind of surprised when he slipped to the seventh round of the draft. And so I'm still holding a candle on for, Eno, and and this is the kind of situation where I do think he could kind of prove himself with more, with more burn. Yeah. And also a team too, that's winning enough for maybe there is, I, I guess it's tough in their division to say they could ever let off the gas pedal with the Rams right there, but definitely some ways for him to get work. And you know, James Conner, no stranger to injury too. Chase Edmonds, no stranger to injury. So there's a pathway there for, you know, to get a James Conner workload we saw today and you get the turn as well. So take one more guy here to round out your waiver wire snake draft picks. Yeah, this is uh this is a guy that I know people had been stashing in some spots, but I'm going to guess that he's not rostered in, in at least over 50% of the leagues. And that's uh Jeff Wilson jr. So he was, uh, activated, uh, to the roster. They didn't use him at all today. Um, which I thought they might because El Elijah Mitchell was, uh, kind of questionable all week with a ribs injury, but he apparently was fine. And they still gave to Michael hasty those pass catching stuff. But again, we've seen just how valuable, being the lead rusher is in this, in this offense. And so again, I think he is the right um, stash because you have multiple outs with these 49ers running backs. One, there's injury. And two, we've seen Shanahan just be very herky jerky with these, you know, Elijah Mitchell fumbles. All of a sudden, Jeff Wilson gets his crack. We've already seen Jeff Wilson succeed in this offense. So, and we've also seen him have a very specific role. There was a while where he was just their goal line back mm -hmm. and getting all those high value touches. So I think there's lots of outs for Jeff Wilson and kind of similar to Eno Benjamin, he's just a stash that I want to be making on teams where I need running back help. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, Jeff Wilson had not just the goal line rushes, but goal line targets too, and end zone targets. Like he was getting a lot of work there, just a nose for the end zone, which is a very old school football coach thing to say, but definitely does seem to be the case. Um, I'm going to take one more guy here to round us out. And there's actually a tough choice for me because I do think Olamide Zacchaeus is kind of interesting. Um, I do think that there could be some other options out there, but this guy just signed with the Raiders. And I think we saw with how reliant they were on Hunter Renfro today that they could use somebody downfield. Deshaun Jackson, Pete, I think will be available in pretty much every roster out there and i think i i draft him in best ball and some of my ram stacks and i'm hoping he does bubble up because they need somebody to run that rugs role and i think sean might end up being more efficient than rugs I, I don't know you're i know you're down on him he's an older player and a lot of people out there feel the same way a burner who's getting on in years probably not the most appealing combination but there's a real specific role for him and i think they need him to kind of inject some energy here after they look it's a little flat today maybe everything kind of catching up with him but i think Deshaun jackson could have a, a meaningful role for them and i don't know if you feel the same way but i'm curious um, I, so the only thing is, is I, I like the thought. I think you could also say Zay Jones. Uh, I mean, he, he led them in snaps today. He ran uh 46 routes. He had four targets, which is similar to Brian Edwards. So I guess the real question is, is this going to be like what was happening in LA where he was like the one B to Van Jefferson as the wide receiver three in that offense. So, you know, if one of Zay or Deshaun Jackson just kind of holds on to that wide receiver three role and is running, you know, the majority of the snaps, I think either of those guys would be valuable if they split. And they're in that thing we were just talking about with Donovan Peoples Jones and Anthony Schwartz, where they're like splitting the third role, then it's not attractive for fantasy. Yeah. And also Sunday Night Football going on. It's a real chippy game, Pete. Like I'm watching this in the background. There's guys fighting. There's like uh, people talking about all the defense. Nick Bird saying the Titans defense is making Stafford's life absolute hell tonight. I am. I'm perpetually surprised by the Titans. I feel like they are the most resilient team. And and then they're also like sometimes going to the most like disappointing team week to week, too. I never know what I'm going to get out of them. But the fact they're up 21 three right now, it's almost halftime. If you are uh, listening to this after or watching it after the fact. But I, I don't know what to make of the Titans. And I, I, I would like somebody, especially you, Pete to really lay it out for me what I should know. 
I don't know. I mean, they were that team um, last year or in at the previous mm-hmm. couple of years, right? Where they went on just these insane runs. You know, they upset the Ravens. Uh, what was that? Was that two years ago? Yeah, I think it was two yeah. years ago in the playoffs. They upset the Ravens there on the road and uh, their Cinderella story eventually came to the end. But yeah, they're just like this plucky team and you would think that they might, you know, cave without Henry. Uh, and they just, they just uh, continue to find ways to win. I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's kind of hard to know how they're able to always pull this off. Um, I haven't been able to watch too close attention because I'm trying to do really good, you know, Italian character work on the show <laughs> and not watch football. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're an interesting team. It's like it's right behind. I actually don't know what my setup's going to be when I move because I don't know if I'm going to have a TV where I'm going to be recording. I, I guess I'm going to have to get another TV. How, how many fucking TVs is this one? So, are you, you going to have a proper studio? Yes, I'm going to have like um, we'll have a downstairs area that's going to have like a TV watching area and our fitness stuff and the Peloton and weights and all that. And then there's going to be like a separate room. So basically, my girlfriend will now be as isolated away from the Italian characters as humanly possible. But I don't even know what to do with it. Like, so if anybody out there, by the way, is as experienced or Pete, I might just ask you uh, how to build a studio, like what I should do, because I have no fucking clue because it's literally like a blank template that I could do whatever I want with and and maybe even express a few things here and there. So I don't know. Yeah, I I'm still working on upgrading uh my setup. I've been a little uh lazy with it. But yeah, I I I have some equipment. I've do you do you have a standing desk? I do not have a standing desk. I know you have recommended those. I have like one that kind of moves up and down, but I, I do think that might be one of the things I do because it does feel like you could get different energies. I know when you sometimes I feel like you don't stand up that much anymore, but in the beginning of the season I felt like you were standing like all the time. Yeah, I mix it up. There's some there's some shows when I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, I, I mix it up. I, I try to make sure I'm standing for at least like a third of the day. But then a lot of times like I'm standing before shows and then I'm like tired. And I'm like, I don't want to be standing up for an hour. So then I just uh, sit down. Well, that's, you know, because the blood's flowing and that's when that's where the health benefits really come. I think that's true. It's true. I, and the, 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 the chat wants you to get a, a bookshelf. See, my setup mm-hmm. isn't actually even. Like I like my bookshelves, but yeah. it's not behind me. So I, it's like, it, I can't even use it really as set. See, but I think the behind thing, like that's why, like why I like your setup because the bookshelf isn't like the whole thing. Whereas like I was watching Ross Tucker on the DK stream today for, I don't even know why. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to explain what you're watching. It's okay. It was like, well, it's weird because DK live on Sundays, they do the stand up thing and then they have like somebody on zoom and then Ross Tucker's giant, like fucking um, Zordon from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was behind the host and they zoom in on it and he's like got his shelf and he's got all his like helmets and stuff. And I feel like everybody has that set up where it's like the bookshelf right behind you but yours is like some sort of like 3d kind of cool nft art look with the way <laughs> your bookshelf goes diagonally it's funny too we're talking about this because i actually just uh maybe like super astute people will notice that my bookshelves are looking a little bit more tidy because we are we're trying to sell our place event. I mean, we haven't put it on the market, but we're just getting ready if yeah. we find another place and so we're having the photographers come on tuesday to do like the virtual tour shit and so they come in here and they're like you know your house is in like pretty good shape like for the photographer but you need to do something about this because it's just like all my posters and bobbleheads and it just looks like a 13 year old in here and so i spent like two hours yesterday just cleaning up getting rid of all the stuff so all of my fun stuff 
is now in boxes and I just have like fucking boring ass books behind me. Yeah. I think what I would do if I had, it would just be like, I have the puppet that I used to do uh, on the tip off show with Eric Lindquist, my good friend over at Osmo. I have like the, our various bit things, uh, the costumes and all that. And I think that might be what I put behind me in some way, but I, it's all, it's all rough thought right now. So again, if there's a studio builder out there, please, <laughs> I would also love to get like the Merv Griffin set like they had on the, on Seinfeld and just, you know, have that in there and have like a real TV set. I think that'd be, yeah. Cool. I mean, there's so, like two, there's two different elements to you know like a quote-unquote studio there's just you getting a really good desk set up with your monitors and your lighting and your mic and your desk and then there's the actual studio elements if you're doing you know uh soundproofing and you're trying to get you know additional backlighting or if you want like if i had a studio i would love to have like a projector uh automatic uh green screen that could come mm. down too for backdrops if you wanted to do different stuff. So like, yeah, I, I definitely have stuff on a on a studio wish list if I ever had a, a better space. Can you tell me more about these uh, these wish list items. Perhaps put them all on Amazon onto some sort of wish list, and then I'll yeah. I'll just get them for you, not for myself. Let me just see if I can get a promo code and an affiliate deal, uh, <laughs> and then I'll send it your way. Yeah, I know. Like Sal, I think has a pretty cool studio that he did himself too. He actually might be the one I have to ask because, like, he yeah. has he like was watching YouTube tutorials. I know because like there's one I saw where it's like, oh, get a key light and it'll look like this and it'll like isolate you from the back. I hope people are enjoying this. By the way, I hope this is like I think people bit. enjoy it a little. And bit. And if not, uh, whatever, just skip ahead. But, but it's no it's like those guys in Holka has an insane studio oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. Um, yeah, I, I. Uh, yeah, I basically, because I knew we weren't going to be in this place forever, I never like put all of my, you know, attention into really revamping it into just like a permanent studio. But yeah, I, uh, I would love that. I would even love, um, um, like a, I had messed around with getting some kind of teleprompter type thing just mm. for like notes. If, it, if you're, if I'm recording videos and stuff, that would be nice to have. So getting like all that shit set up would be, would be so nice. Yeah. I think like there's an iPad version. I, yeah, I looked a little bit, look, we're going to talk more about this stuff coming up because you're going to see me. Uh, I know my pal Greg Ehrenberg also at Osmo moved houses recently. And like, uh, he currently looks like he's like the Unabomber. I feel like at his house. Cause it's just like, there's nothing in the room and it's just like echoing in a weird way. Cause that's like classic Greg where he moved in, took forever to get I the think house I saw a photo of that too and it was kind of disturbing the room he showed it's just it's just him with his like clean cut look but in like a really empty room in a way that <laughs> makes it feel like he maybe he's committed some dexter style murders dexter back in vogue and on tv now but uh but yeah no i i want to get it right and we'll see how that goes because it's gonna be won't be a weird run speaking of uh schedule this week there oh is that the blanket behind me or just the design of the couch that's my usc blanket i've had behind yeah. me in every video i've done dfs wise forever so i keep doing it but i'm sure it'll it might get downgraded because i don't know if i'm gonna be on a couch in the next spot yeah, no, it is a it is an iconic piece of the sure, set. Yeah. Yeah. If I made it into an NFT, it would sell for literal ones and ones of dollars. <laughs> Let's do our ride or die picture Sunday night football. Now that we we really filled up the hour just talking about production stuff, but um, let's talk ride or die picks and let's talk about this Monday night football game going to be Bears and Steelers, Pete. And of course, uh, before we do that, hit the like button, guys. Whether you're watching on Peach Channel or the Splash Play Channel, helps us out a bunch. Helps out everybody who you're watching on YouTube, whether it be one of our friends, Sal Vetri's, uh, Joe. Uh, Joe Holka, who Pete just mentioned, you know, these, these guys all like likes. It does help them out a bunch and get seen by more people. So just do that. Anything you enjoy on YouTube, or at least, you know, that took your attention span for enough of a period of time. But Chicago and Pittsburgh, we got a line of 16.3 implied points for Chicago, 22.8 implied points for Pittsburgh. And it seems like Vegas Pete thinks this is going to be a real shit burger. 
Yeah, uh, I think this game is going to be gross. Although maybe we'll get surprised, right? Because it's the games we always get excited about. You know, Titans-Rams we thought would be a high-scoring affair, and then that game is a, a defensive slog. So maybe this will be the game where it just soars over the total, and uh, Roethlisberger and Justin Fields surprise us. Yeah, maybe. Justin Fields did show his resurgence, but uh, it is a spot DVOA-wise. Pittsburgh minus 4.5% on DVOA overall in the year. Uh, Chicago defensively actually gave up a 0.7% DVOA boost, but basically means they're an average team in every facet of the game. Um, in this spot, Pete, I think we normally are going to pick our showdown captains. I'm going to take mine first because, again, DVOA is a stat you can get for yourself at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. It's $1 a week. Gordon DVOA, 39% boost to wide receiver ones for the Chicago defense. That's interesting to me because I think that pairs well with one Deontay Johnson, who's an absolute monster in terms of a route runner, a guy as we know has been getting targeted pretty well. We'll continue to get that with Juju Smith-Schuster out for the rest of the year. And I think of this spot, Pete, I think he's an easy showdown captain for me. So that's who I will take as my rider die pick. Yeah, I think he is uh, one of the best picks for the showdown captain. I'm debating doing something a little funky. I'm trying to figure out how to play the running back situation with Chicago. It does sound like David Montgomery is going to return, but Khalil Herbert has played so well that I imagine it'll be more kind of like the McCaffrey return where Herbert is still involved. So I'm not going to go that route. I will, uh, dare I say, leverage your pick and pick the other standout Steelers wide receiver, a big play machine, been getting a ton of downfield looks in Chase Claypool. So uh, I think you could also make a case for Najee, but he's just so expensive at 18.6 to burn as your captain. And you can save a lot of money going down to Claypool and uh, he can get there in just a couple big plays. Yeah, this is one of those slates where there was weird pricing on showdowns for a while where the wide receivers were so expensive that you didn't make sense to put them at captain. You can get a running back who got a better workload or a QB and then actually, you know, get that correlation that way. But these, this slate, it looks like the wide receivers will be priced a little more appropriately. So I think Claypool and Deontay Johnson to me would be really obvious picks. And uh, the question, Pete, if, if you were paying, let's say, let's do a 20 max, doing the whatever the play action is tomorrow. How many captain lineups would you have with Allen Robinson and or Darnell, well, I guess not and or Darnell Mooney? I'm just guessing that because I made I made 40 lineups for tonight and I think I ended up being pretty heavy on AJ Brown. Um, as far as Allen Robinson, honestly, I doubt I bet I'll be living more in the Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool range. Mm -hmm. And I'd probably I'll probably have like three or four total of Allen Robinson and Mooney combined. Yeah, it's tough to buy in. Uh, Justin Fields, I think, going to be interesting going against, well, a Pittsburgh team that's not blitzing as much as they used to, but uh, certainly uh, still a 20% blitz rate. It's not, well, it's honestly was really much lower than it was last year. But going against a rushing QB, sometimes that could be a good thing. Sometimes that could be a bad thing. And Fields coming off of his first 100-yard rushing game, uh, maybe something interesting there. But uh, kind of an ugly game and uh, one where I, I don't even know. It's an over-under of 39. It's just not that common in the NFL these days. No, I, I think I even bet the under on it. Uh, okay. I, I always like reading. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> although, dude, my uh, I've been like doing good with my props, but my spread bets have been so shitty. But the only ones that can get tracked are the spread, like because you uh, log them in. Like they don't have a way to key in your props, so it's just like I'm not as bad as my record <laughs> indicates. <laughs> As any good town will tell you, the record's not what it seems. <laughs> I mean, it's it's getting, I mean, it's, it's not that bad. I'm down like five or six units, but still it just like sucks to look at uh, uh, being in the red on those picks. Maybe you need to hit the evil empire up, Pete, and get some. <laughs> Dude, I he took a bath today. I think he went in 12.
Oh, I was gonna. I was actually gonna make that joke earlier, and I just I couldn't squeeze it in. But I was saying like, whoever won this week might be an Evil Empire subscriber because like we were talking about, ha ha ha, like all the people who won. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, do we think that's a bit? By the way, like I, I follow Ben the better. He follows me back, and I, you know, I don't. I've never. I'm not shitting on him publicly. Like I don't care. Like I think it's interesting, and he's doing something. But do we think that's a bit? I know you and Brian, uh, of course, on lols every single week are tracking uh, the Ben the better story, whatever is his his life, uh, pretty fully. But uh, bit or no bit uh no bit uh everyone always does this too with like the counselor they're like this has to be a bit and i'm like is he playing an exaggerated heightened version of himself for content yes but is he 95 percent still the counselor like when he's doing that uh yes and uh I don't even think Ben the Better is playing. I think Ben the Better is actually pretty genuine. Brian has actually done a call with him because they were trying oh. to work out logistics for their potential uh, GPP bet that they were going to do. And then I think it fell through. So I, I think he's very real. I think he's also very young too. I think he's, he's like, like a, he's like a college Canadian kid, right? Yeah. So that's probably just a weird combination that on the internet could yeah. be completely genuine and, and it'll come off like a troll. <laughs> right. Because it, it does just seem, it does just seem like, you could truly flip coins and and have a better record just because lines are efficient. So it is truly unbelievable that he runs this poorly on <laughs> on his bets and then just had the way he kind of charges head first onto it on social media is, is honestly admirable. Um uh, but yeah, it is. It's a, it's a tough scene. I know you guys are going to have, I like at some point, I presume you're going to have him on the show. I did think about pitching you. Like, should we get Ben the better on splash play to promote his new brand? He won't do it. I mean, would? We, we, we would love to. Yeah. We've reached out. I reached out to him. Uh, we did. We, Brian's reached out to him multiple times. I reached out to him a couple weeks ago. He just, he doesn't do any video stuff. I even offered for him to just do like an audio uh, version <laughs> Um, and he didn't want to do that. So maybe, um, maybe his old pal Spags, he's popping his DMs. See it. <laughs> Go, you give it a shoot that shot. You could scoop lulls. Brian would be pissed. <laughs> that actually honestly might be worth it just for the, <laughs> just to see that reaction from brick, but, uh, give Pete, give the plugs here. My plugs for the week. I'll be, I'll be appearing in Scottsdale tomorrow. Just by, by appearing. I mean, literally appearing in Scottsdale. Pete, what are you doing this week? I'm sure you will be doing much more content than I will be doing from the road. Uh, yes, we, we do need to figure out our, yes. our schedule for later in the week. Well, um, do you want to talk about it now? Yeah, um, might as well. Maybe. So like, uh, so basically I think I mentioned I'll be on central time. I could do morning Thursday and Friday or, or we could do Thursday together. And then Friday we could do actually, what's the chat think? I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know that I want to hear the chat thing, but <laughs> does the chat want to do a guest host on Friday with Pete or should we do just try to do an early morning one and get whoever we can. I think Thursday you said you could do right. If we did like 8, 8 a.m. Central time or whatever. Yeah, I would say uh, I do have to write the newsletter in the mornings. I would say I could put like a 10 a.m. Eastern. W would that be? Is that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fine. Like as long as because that would be nine central. Then, yeah, that's fine. As long as I get out of the hotel before I have to get out. Yeah. So I and I, I could have a little wiggle room on that. So like 930 or 10, um, I could pull that off for both uh, Thursday well, and Friday. Or OK. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid I don't want you to have another guest host on and they're better than me. And then all the YouTube chatter like, oh, Pete, you got to get, get rid of Spags. And it's like, oh, Spags, get out of your <laughs> I can't, head. Can't lose. I can't get Wally pimped, Pete. I haven't gotten over that. Spags, Wally I, I couldn't get rid of you if I tried. Um, <laughs> much much like uh, various diseases. That is true. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to put it in my calendar as 10 a.m. on uh, Thursday and Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. 
Okay, so let's say so prepare for that, everybody out there, 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, and we'll make sure they put out the official announcement on at Splash Play Pod, where of course we do in fact follow you back as long as you're not a private account. Make sure to follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Spags. Pete, what else are you doing this week? Anything cool? Um, no, actually shit. Uh now I need to we might need to talk off air about okay. the uh Friday plans. <laughs> um I think it'll be fine. But uh no, just my usual shit. I, uh, I'll i do my GPP lineup review tomorrow at 10 a.m., which I really don't want to do um, because my team sucked. And then the other thing, I was updating my spreadsheet, and I noticed that in in my most expensive tournament I play, the double spy, the, the $200 single entry, I inputted the wrong lineup. It was Oof. a dummy lineup that I had built last night with, like, it was basically like my GPP shell. Like, I was like, these are the kind of plays. Um and it's still like it wasn't it wasn't atrocious, but having to go on and admit in my most expensive one I put in the wrong uh lineup is is embarrassing and I'm pulling the band-aid off now by admitting it. <laughs> that's that's tough but fair. I, I would say normally any lineup you'd build to be a dummy lineup if I were it. <laughs> Specs. I, I'm gonna. Fi- I'm finding a guest host for Friday. And you're gonna get Wally Pitt. Oh no, Nick Bird. Thank you, Nick. Saying we heart you, Spags. He speaks for everybody out there. I think we can all say that. But I appreciate all of you, and I heart you all back. And I will be trying to keep my sanity on the road. So enjoy this. I'll actually be bringing my production setup and doing this in a fucking hotel room. And hopefully the Wi-Fi will cooperate for us on Thursday and Friday. So we'll see you guys then. Follow at Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod and go get that one dollar week deal at FootballOutsiders.com/slash subscribe right now dvoa and a lot more and that'll help you out making better lineups and understanding football and we'll see you guys again soon bye